Behind the Knife, the surgery podcast. Relevant and engaging content designed to help you dominate the day. Hello, BTK listeners. This is Patrick. I've got Kevin, Jason, and John here with me, and we are thrilled to introduce the Behind the Knife's premium general surgery oral board review. Today, you'll hear a sample scenario from this comprehensive audio review course, which includes 92 scenarios that meticulously cover 115 score core topics. The course has an exciting and entirely unique format. Each of the 92 scenarios includes two parts. The first part is a perfectly executed oral board scenario that mimics the real thing. Scenarios are five to seven minutes long and include a variety of tactics and styles. If you're able to achieve this level of performance in your preparation, you are sure to pass the oral exam with flying colors. The second part introduces high-yield commentary to each scenario. This commentary includes tips and tricks to help you dominate the most challenging scenarios in addition to practical, easy-to-understand teaching that covers the most confusing topics that we face as general surgeons. We are confident you will find this unique, dual-format approach a highly effective way to prepare for the test. So why did we take this on? Well, we simply were not happy with the other oral board prep courses out there. First off, they're ridiculously expensive. No one should have to pay that much. Second, their content is subpar and out of date, so we took matters into our own hands. This oral board review course was designed to not only outperform the competitors, but also save you hundreds of dollars. You should also know that revenue generated from this course will be put right back into Behind the Knife to support creation of more awesome content. It's a win-win for everyone involved. To learn more about Behind the Knife's premium general surgery oral board review, visit www.behindthenife.org and click on the premium tab. You can access additional oral board review material, including a 10-part review series and supplementary mock oral board scenarios by clicking Listen, Series, and then Oral Boards, or by simply searching Oral Boards. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter, register for a free Category 1 CME, and even purchase some merchandise. For regular updates, follow us on Twitter at Behind the Knife and Instagram at Behind the Knife Podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode. All right, with that, let's get started with Part A a perfectly executed oral board scenario that mimics the real thing. Behind the Knife Premium Scenario 32, Rectal Cancer Developed by Jonathan Abelson Read by examiner Patrick Georgioff and examinee Kevin Canary A 65-year-old woman presents after having undergone a colonoscopy for hematochesia. The colonoscopy revealed a fungating, non-obstructing mass 5 centimeters from the anal verge, and biopsy showed moderately differentiated adenocarcinoma. The rest of the colonoscopy was unremarkable. Her past medical history is notable for hypertension and irritable bowel syndrome, and her surgical history includes robotic total abdominal hysterectomy for fibroids. Family history is non-contributory. Of note, she has three bowel movements per day and is frequently incontinent of gas and stool. How would you like to proceed? Okay, so we have a 65-year-old female with a new diagnosis of low rectal cancer. I have most of the history I would need So I would perform a physical exam focusing on the abdominal exam, including inguinal node and anal rectal exam. Her abdominal exam is unremarkable. There are no enlarged inguinal lymph nodes. On anal rectal exam, there is a reduced sphincter tone at rest, and you feel a fixed mass 2 centimeters above the anal rectal ring, 5 centimeters from the anal verge. Okay, at this point, I would obtain complete staging, including a CT chest, abdomen, and pelvis with IV contrast, as well as a pelvic MRI. I'd also get a full set of labs, including a CBC, CMP, and CEA. 
The CT scan reveals an 8mm lesion in the right lobe of the liver that is incompletely characterized. The MRI reveals T3, N1, rectal cancer, 5 centimeters from the anal verge, 2 centimeters above the sphincter complex. Okay, given the concern for possible metastasis to the liver, I would obtain an MRI of the liver to better characterize the lesion. MRI shows a hemangioma. Okay, so based on her staging, she has stage 3 locally advanced low rectal cancer. I would present her case at her multidisciplinary tumor board to review the pathology and imaging and develop an appropriate, appropriate treatment plan. So what are the treatment options in this scenario? Yeah, so with a locally advanced rectal cancer, I would recommend proceeding with total neoadjuvant therapy, including chemoradiation and systemic chemotherapy. Once she has completed neoadjuvant therapy, I would then restage a patient with a CT chest, abdomen, pelvis, as well as a pelvic MRI four weeks after finishing treatment. So let's say she finishes treatment and there's no evidence of residual tumor on your staging studies. Okay, um, so I would see her back in my clinic and perform a digital rectal exam and perform a flexible sigmoidoscopy to assess for clinical complete response. Okay, she's in your clinic now. She's actually complaining of worsening incontinence uh, to gas and liquid stool, this time on a daily basis. On anal rectal examination, there's no residual tumor palpated. On flexible sigmoidoscopy, there's a well-healed scar where the cancer was and no residual abnormality that you can tell. How would you counsel her at this point? So I would explain that she appears to have a clinical complete response as demonstrated by no residual tumor on imaging, endoscopy, or digital rectal exam. I would explain that some high-volume centers are exploring the option of pursuing non-operative management with close watch-and-wait surveillance, but that I would not feel comfortable with this approach, and I would recommend proceeding with surgery. What are your surgical options? So with a low rectal cancer, I would want to obtain a 2-centimeter distal margin, although 1-centimeter margin would also be acceptable if I were trying to uh, pursue a sphincter preservation approach. In her case, since she's reporting daily incontinence, I do not think she'd be a good candidate for sphincter preservation because I believe her bowel function with coloanal anastomosis would be prohibitive. In her case, I would recommend an abdominal perineal resection. Let's say the tumor is in the mid-rectum and that you can get a two centimeter margin and that she doesn't have any incontinence. In that case, what type of operation would you recommend? So in that case, I would offer a low anterior resection with diverting loop ileostomy. Now, please describe your technique. Okay, so I would start with a medial to lateral dissection of the rectosigmoid colon starting at the sacral promontory. I would develop a plane between the retroperitoneum and the colon mesentery. I would identify the inferior mesenteric artery and isolate it at its takeoff from the aorta. I would be sure to identify the left ureter, and once I've done that, I would divide the IMA. I would then continue the medial to lateral dissection until I've reached the pericolic gutter. I would then mobilize the splenic flexure by dividing all the attachments to the colon and completely medialize the descending colon. I would then start the TME dissection posteriorly and make sure I'm identifying and protecting the hypogastric nerves. I would fully mobilize the rectum down to the pelvic floor and identify a point of transection two centimeters distal to the tumor. I would divide the colon proximally and distally and perform a tension-free stapled end-to-end anastomosis. Finally, I would perform a leak test once I confirm that this is negative, I would create a diverting loop ileostomy at a site that was marked preoperatively by a stoma nurse. Be sure to listen to Part B for high-yield commentary and other tips and tricks. Now, you'll hear Part B, which includes high-yield commentary interspersed throughout the scenario. Behind the Knife Premium Scenario 32, Rectal Cancer 
developed by Jonathan Abelson, read by examiner Patrick Georgioff and examinee Kevin Canary. A 65-year-old woman presents after having undergone a colonoscopy for hematochesia. The colonoscopy revealed a fungating, non-obstructing mass 5 centimeters from the anal verge, and biopsy showed moderately differentiated adenocarcinoma. The rest of the colonoscopy was unremarkable. Her past medical history is notable for hypertension and irritable bowel syndrome, and her surgical history includes robotic total abdominal hysterectomy for fibroids. Family history is non-contributory. Of note, she has three bowel movements per day and is frequently incontinent of gas and stool. How would you like to proceed? Okay, so we have a 65-year-old female with a new diagnosis of low rectal cancer. I have most of the history I would need, so I would perform a physical exam focusing on the abdominal exam, including inguinal node and anal rectal exam. Her abdominal exam is unremarkable. There are no enlarged inguinal lymph nodes. On anal rectal exam, there is a reduced sphincter tone at rest, and you feel a fixed mass 2 centimeters above the anal rectal ring, 5 centimeters from the anal verge. Okay, at this point, I would obtain complete staging, including a CT chest, abdomen, and pelvis with IV contrast, as well as a pelvic MRI. I would also get a full set of labs, including a CBC, CMP, and CEA. Whenever a new cancer diagnosis is made, you should perform full staging workup. Staging for rectal cancer is similar to that of colon cancer, but adds MRI to the pelvis. Historically, endorectal ultrasound was performed for local regional staging of rectal cancer. However, this has been largely replaced by pelvic MRI. Of note, there may still be a role for EUS in the setting of differentiating between T1 and T2 cancers in the low rectum, since MRI is less accurate in this setting. There are many different strategies to characterize the height of rectal cancer. It is typically divided into low, middle, and high. Some surgeons describe rectal cancers in terms of the distance from the anal verge on rigid proctoscopy. Some describe rectal cancers in terms of the relationship to the three valves of Houston. Still others describe its relationship to the top of the anal rectal ring. This is helpful to be able to determine if a sphincter-preserving approach is feasible. The CT scan reveals an 8mm lesion in the right lobe of the liver that is incompletely characterized. The MRI reveals T3N1 rectal cancer, 5 centimeters from the anal verge, 2 centimeters above the sphincter complex. Okay, given the concern for possible metastasis to liver, I would obtain an MRI of the liver to better characterize the lesion. MRI shows a hemangioma. Rectal cancer most commonly metastasizes to the liver and then the lung. Any abnormal appearance on imaging of the liver should be followed up with liver-specific imaging. In general, MRI of the liver is favored over a CT scan with triple-phase contrast. A PET CT scan is not routinely indicated for metastatic workup in colorectal cancer. PET is really only indicated if there is questionable findings on CT or MRI. Characteristic MRI findings of liver lesions are definitely something that may be covered on the oral boards. This is a good opportunity to quickly review. Hemangiomas tend to show nodular peripheral enhancement. Focal nodular hyperplasia contains a central scar. Hepatocellular carcinoma classically reveals a hypervascular pattern with arterial enhancement and rapid washout during the portal venous phase. Adenomas are hypervascular in the arterial phase. And finally, metastatic colorectal cancer are, show hypodense lesions. Okay, so based on her staging, she has stage 3 locally advanced low rectal cancer. 
I would present her case at her multidisciplinary tumor board to review the pathology and imaging and develop an appropriate treatment plan. All rectal cancers should be presented at a multidisciplinary conference, and this is important to state as part of your plan on the oral boards. So what are the treatment options in this scenario? Yeah, so with a locally advanced rectal cancer, I would recommend proceeding with total neoadjuvant therapy, including chemoradiation and systemic chemotherapy. Once she has completed neoadjuvant therapy, I would then restage a patient with a CT chest, abdomen, pelvis, as well as a pelvic MRI four weeks after finishing treatment. All right, you're going to need to buckle in for this one. All right, there's many different strategies for how to treat rectal cancer, and the NCCN guidelines have evolved dramatically over the years. Generally speaking, rectal cancer should be thought of in three different buckets. Bucket one is early stage. This includes stage one, and that's T1 and T2 and zero tumors. The second bucket, locally advanced rectal cancer. These are stages two and three and include either T3 or T4 cancers with or without positive lymph nodes. And the third bucket, metastatic. This includes stage four, any T stage, any end stage, and obviously metastatic disease. For early stage one rectal cancers that are favorable, and by favorable, I mean less than three centimeters, well differentiated, without angiolymphatic evasion, and within eight centimeters of the anal verge, you can consider full thickness local excision. This is assuming you are able to obtain at least three millimeter negative margins on the final specimen. Other options for early stage T1 rectal cancers include proctectomy with either LAR or APR. At least a one centimeter margin is needed in that case. For early stage 2 rectal cancers, these can be treated with proctectomy. There's the option to describe neoadjuvant radiation therapy followed by surgery to avoid the chance that tumor is upstaged after surgery and thus requires adjuvant radiation therapy. Adjuvant radiation therapy for rectal cancer should be avoided at all costs. Several clinical trials have described using radiation therapy and full thickness local excision to avoid performing proctectomy in an organ preservation approach. However, this is not commonly utilized, and we would not recommend answering this on the oral boards. For locally advanced rectal cancer, there is increasing evidence that total neoadjuvant therapy is the preferred approach compared to neoadjuvant chemoradiation, followed by surgery, followed again by chemotherapy. For metastatic cancer, the main treatment will be systemic chemotherapy. If the primary rectal tumor is causing obstruction or is perforated, these patients would likely benefit from upfront diversion before undergoing any chemotherapy. The ideal diversion is a loop sigmoid colostomy. It's also important to be prepared to state how you would manage stage 4 colorectal cancer with METs to the liver. There are many different approaches for this. For resectable liver cancer, one option is to start with short-course radiation therapy for rectal cancer over five days, followed by systemic chemotherapy for three cycles. This would then be followed by surgery. Surgical options include staged and simultaneous resection. In general, it is best to avoid a major liver resection and a major colorectal resection at the same time. Remember, on the boards, you want to be perceived as safe and thoughtful. So it's unlikely that performing a simultaneous resection is the recommended answer. For stage surgeries, most centers will perform the liver resection first and then return at a later date to perform the colorectal cancer operation. So let's say she finishes treatment 
and there's no evidence of residual tumor on your staging studies. Okay, um, so I'd see her back in my clinic and perform a digital rectal exam and perform a flexible sigmoidoscopy to assess for clinical complete response. Okay, she's in your clinic now. She's actually complaining of worsening incontinence uh, to gas and liquid stool, this time on a daily basis. On anorectal examination, there's no residual tumor palpated. On flexible sigmoidoscopy, there's a well-healed scar where the cancer was and no residual abnormality that you can tell. How would you counsel her at this point? So I would explain that she appears to have a clinical complete response as demonstrated by no residual tumor on imaging, endoscopy, or digital rectal exam. I would explain that some high-volume centers are exploring the option of pursuing non-operative management with close watch and wait surveillance, but that I would not feel comfortable with this approach and I would recommend proceeding with surgery. There's increasing enthusiasm for pursuing non-operative management of rectal cancers. This is only an option if there's evidence of a clinical complete response. Clinical complete response is defined by having no evidence of disease on digital rectal exam, flexible sigmoidoscopy, and MRI of the pelvis. This occurs in approximately 25% of patients after total neoadjuvant treatment. There is certainly question as to whether or not this represents a safe long-term oncologic approach, as 25% of completely responsive tumors will regrow, and there is some evidence that these tumors may more frequently present with metastatic disease. Unless you have extensive history or an experience with this approach during residency, we would not recommend answering this under general surgery oral boards. The oral boards are not an environment to describe a new approach to treating a complicated disease like rectal cancer. What are your surgical options? So with a low rectal cancer, I would want to obtain a two centimeter distal margin, although one centimeter margin would also be acceptable if I were trying to uh, pursue a sphincter preservation approach. In her case, since she's reporting daily incontinence, I do not think she'd be a good candidate for sphincter preservation because I believe her bowel function with coloanal anastomosis would be prohibitive. In her case, I would recommend an abdominal perineal resection. For colon and upper rectal cancers, it is recommended that you obtain a 5 centimeter margin. For middle or low rectal cancers, the goal should be 2 centimeters. A one centimeter margin is acceptable if you're trying to perform a sphincter preserving operation with low anterior resection. An important consideration when deciding to whether or not to offer sphincter preservation is what the patient's preoperative bowel function is like. For patients with poor sphincter tone, incontinence, or diarrhea, sphincter preservation is not advisable as the postoperative function will be poor. Let's say the tumor is in the mid rectum and that you can get a two centimeter margin and that she doesn't have any incontinence. In that case, what type of operation would you recommend? So in that case, I would offer a low anterior section with diverting loop ileostomy. Any patient undergoing low anterior section after radiation therapy on the boards should be diverted at the time of surgery. Arguably, this is true in real life as well. While a loop ileostomy does not prevent an anastomotic leak, It mitigates the clinical consequences. Patients should be diverted for approximately three months after surgery to allow for adequate healing of the anastomosis. Prior to reversal, it is important that you study the anastomosis with a variable soluble enema to rule out anastomotic leak or stricturing. Now please describe your technique. Okay, so I would start with a medial to lateral dissection of the rectosigmoid colon starting at the sacral promontory. I would develop a plane between the retroperitoneum and the colon mesentery. 
I would identify the inferior mesenteric artery and isolate it at its takeoff from the aorta. I would be sure to identify the left ureter, and once I've done that, I would divide the IMA. I would then continue the medial to lateral dissection until I've reached the pericolic gutter. I would then mobilize the splenic flexure by dividing all the attachments to the colon and completely medialize the descending colon. I would then start the TME dissection posteriorly and make sure I'm identifying and protecting the hypogastric nerves. I would fully mobilize the rectum down to the pelvic floor and identify a point of transection two centimeters distal to the tumor. I would divide the colon proximally and distally and perform a tension-free stapled end-to-end anastomosis. Finally, I would perform a leak test. Once I confirm that this is negative, I would create a diverting loop ileostomy at a site that was marked preoperatively by a stoma nurse. For pelvic and left-sided colon surgery, you should be sure to mention the following. Identification and preservation of the left ureter, high or low division of the mesenteric vessels, oncologic dissection in the TME plane, identification and preservation of the hypogastric nerves, and the performance of a tension-free anastomosis with leak test. When performing a low resection, it's possible that the examiner throws a wrench in your plans, a major wrench in this case, and tells you that you have transected the ureter. In this situation, important points to clarify are how the ureter was transected and where the injury is. Thermal injuries need to be debrided back to healthy tissue. Ureter injuries below the pelvic brim can generally be managed with ureteral implantation into the bladder. This can be done by mobilizing the bladder anteriorly and can be facilitated by performing a psoas hitch or fiori flap. Proximal ureter and middle ureter injuries above the pelvic rim can be reanastomosed using absorbable suture over a double J ureteral stent. I think it goes without saying that in this scenario, you should probably call your urology colleagues for help. Thank you for listening to Behind the Knife Premium Oral Board Review. Dominate the day. Be sure to check out our website at www.behindthenife.org for more great content. You can also follow us on Twitter at Behind the Knife and Instagram at Behind the Knife Podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a review. Content produced by Behind the Knife is intended for health professionals and is for educational purposes only. We do not diagnose, treat, or offer patient-specific advice. Thank you for listening. Until next time, dominate the day.